Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Straffer, Michael Palmer, Brandon Jones with you on this week's episode. We're going to take a look at the Mika Report, a annual report out about technology and the way internet is moving forward. Uh, Mike, I know this is one of your favorite topics. It's something you look forward to each year. What about the Mika Report is it that you look forward to each year? Well, the Mika Report is it's it's a little bit like Christmas in June is what I think the Mika Report is like. It's where Mary Meeker, uh, who is uh, I think the principal analyst at KPCB, uh, Kleiner Perkins is that what it is? Yep. Yeah, uh, she's the lead analyst there, and they release this Internet Trends Report. I think they've done it for about 10, 15 years. It's like a an annual event, and those of us who are uh, trendsters. We like to keep track of it because uh, we like the internet. We like trends. And uh, I like Mary Meeker. And last year, for example, uh, she talked about Chewbacca Mom. And uh, that was very exciting for me. We did. Uh, Pour we did one some- out. Pour one out for yeah. Chewbacca Mom. Yeah, Chewbacca Mom, too soon. But, uh, but yeah, it's always interesting. It's always topical. And uh, yeah, I love that. So happy Meeker, Meeker Day. Uh, guys, although it's a couple weeks past. It is yeah. a couple weeks past, um, but it is uh, an interesting set of topics, Brandon, as we go through uh, 355 slides deep, so a lot of information to get through, lots to talk about. We're not going to get through all of them here, uh, as it were. We're going to talk sort of high level. Uh, one of the big topics uh, was about gaming and about uh, gaming and uh, education gaming, something we haven't really dived into uh, here on the podcast as of yet. Are you a gamer, Brandon? Yes. Are you? What is that? What does that mean? Do I play? Do I play games? Are you? Are you a? Uh, do you play on the Xbox uh, One? Do you have uh, a PC with some World of Warcraft? Candy, candy Crush guy. Like- I don't crush candy. Although I, I've I've known some candy to be crushed around me. Um, I've heard you're not a player. You just candy crush a lot. No, I'm sorry. Good. I got that wrong. That's no, good. Yeah. That's the that's the radio version of that song. Um, yeah. So I have been a gamer uh, throughout throughout my life. Um, I have a PS4, although it's mostly just used to play kids' movies now, because mm. uh, I have uh, even better than my PS4 is my PS2 and a half year old. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I do I, I played uh, I may have mentioned this on this pod before, but uh, I've played some some Civilization. Sure, Sid Meier. Sid Meier. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, on the PC. I think I've played actually all one through six. So nice, um, nice. Yeah, I've uh, I've repped that. Uh, hey, on this Mika report though, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi, hi, Brandon. Yeah. yeah, Dan dispensed with some pleasantries. He got right into he, it. I, he did not want to find out if I was going to no, be pleasant. No, no, turns no, out, no. I'm, turns no. out I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the game, the game that you play, Dan, is with my heart. Uh, should we just so 355 slides? Yeah. Um, it's linked to in the glossary. It's under lot of slides. It's uh, k kpcb.com slash internet dash trends. Yeah. Or, or you look up Mika Report, you'll find it. Yeah. Or you just visit us at, at the glossary yes. at glossary.com. Uh, should we just, should we talk about the, the, the trends? Let's is, do it. Is that like, I know we went straight to, are you a gamer? Um, but should we, do, do you want to do the, the, what are the trends? Yeah. So uh, the article I have in front of me from Rico goes over their takeaways. I don't have the exact topics in front of me. Oh, I got so, it. Let me just, so, let me just go. If, okay. if, if you me, could bring this out. Yeah. So there are uh, eleven trends. The eleventh of which is closing thoughts. So I think <laughs> yes. that maybe that's that's a stretch. they yeah. uh, The the tenth of which um, this is unusual going from the bottom, but the tenth of which is some macro thoughts. So I, I think maybe there are nine nine big ones. Nine uh, trends. Uh, one, global internet trends. Sure. 
uh, the, uh, the, the, the actual, not what are the trends on the internet, but what are the trends of internet usage? That's Correct. what, that's what, when she's talking about global internet trends, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, trends in uh, online advertising and commerce, um, that they are increase- increasingly measurable and actionable. Yep. Three, interactive games. Yeah. Dan, are you a gamer? That's a rhetorical question. Um, the, uh, this is, this is the, the mother load, which by the way, mother load, one word, mm-hmm. L O D E. Yeah. Like, uh, like mining, right? Uh, yes. Like, like mining, yeah. uh, mine, mine, your own business, yeah. uh, Mike Palmer, mine, um, your own, mine, your own load. Yeah. Mother load of tech product innovation plus modern learning. Number four, media di- distribution disruption mm-hmm. happening at a torrid pace. Number five, the cloud, I think that's uh, yeah. that's, that's a tra- accelerating change across enterprises. Mm-hmm. We're halfway there. Uh, number six, China internet. China. <laughs> yes. Uh, the golden age of entertainment and transportation. Number seven, India internet. Mm-hmm. I was expecting to say India. <laughs> India. Um, competition continues to intensify. Consumers are winning. Uh, number eight, healthcare is at a digital inflection point. Yes, I think that's uh, one we, we both can unpack. we both like the calculus and we like the inflection points. Yeah, we like going bacterial. Yes, Talk about that. Yes, uh, not about. Uh, I don't mean to speak glibly about things going back to uh, number nine. Uh, uh, some trends on global, public, and private internet companies. So. Mm. Uh, as you can see, that that sort of census of what we were, um, what is spoke, uh, addressed in these 355 slides, uh, she covers, they cover, uh, it covers everything. Yes. Yeah. It's a compendium of sorts. Of sorts. And, you know, as I've, uh, in preparation for today's uh, pod, and uh, um, just as a citizen of the world, and yes. as a trendster. Yes. Uh, you can look back at previous uh, of these as well and, and sort of see, start to see a little longitudinal um, sort of look, uh, look forward and look backward by looking at last year's looking forward uh, yep, is, yep. Is, is, is interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot to digest uh, in the Mika report here. The, those nine trends we did uh, open with talking about gaming. Uh, one interesting thing I did take from uh, a non-gaming section uh, was about uh, voice replacing text for searches on the internet. Um, and as more and more, um, it reminds me uh, of a former colleague of ours, Mike, uh, Kyle uh, and I, who used to discuss a lot of things, uh, brought up calculators. And the idea of why do we need to know simple math if a calculator or his phone can tell him the answer or if Mm. Google can tell him the answer. And it does seem with typing and now with voice, we are moving further and further away from, well, why do I need to know how to write something if I'm going to type? And then why do I need to know how to type something if I can just talk into my phone? So Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's ever going to become an actual uh, thing where we, we stop typing, we're only you know talking into devices. But it would seem that trends could lead that direction where more and more is done simply by talking to our phones, talking to our computers, which I, has been a long technology that we've had. I, I know 10, 12 years ago, you could talk to your computer or type out a little bit. But I did think that was an interesting piece, uh, not part of the gaming uh, subject the, that we're going to dive into. Uh, the Indian, yeah. Indian market's a big one too. But uh, thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, on that one, it's interesting. It reminds me of the, uh, the invisible UI movement. So like the the idea that more and more you're not going to necessarily need a screen to interact with an app and it whether it's uh, something that did show up a decent amount in the meager report was uh, geo targeting, um, actually geo fencing, so that apps work differently and mobile devices work differently when you're in close proximity to like a storefront or a particular area, 
that's kind of an example of how the UI is becoming more seamless and uh, contextual. So like, I thought that was right in line with what you're talking about. Cause I think voice is like that too, where um, I feel like we're all kind of playing with voice as a mode of interacting. It's still a little bit just cool because it's different. Um, but I think it's also starting to mature and we've talked about Alexa a bunch on the show. Alexa was in our March madness, right? Like I think like virtual assistants, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're a thing, they're a trend. Uh, and uh, speech is definitely a trend. And then I think just continuing to try new ways to interact is also a trend. Uh, and that's where, you know, haptics are interesting and uh, the sort of gestural controls. Like I, when we talk about, you know, bringing this back a little bit to gaming, um, I have the, uh, the Microsoft Connect, you know? So like the, the version of, uh, the Xbox that allows you to move around and just by virtue of watching you move, you control uh, the interactions within the game that way. Um, also sort of right in line with this um, movement towards invisible uh, interfaces and sort of zero UI. Um, so, so yeah, I thought that was an interesting theme. Um, the, the implications for learning are interesting as well, because like the virtual assistants are a combination of voice control and artificial intelligence. And you could see pretty interesting applications uh, for learning. Don't you think so, Brandon? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, mean, I think there are applications for learning for basically all of these uh, mm -hmm. things, um, all of these trends. Uh, what what, uh, what what others what others here are, are, uh, are ones we should we should go deep on here, Mike? I wanted to go deep on the games. So I think Dan Dan wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. I think we'll come back to games, game-based learning. I think you brought it up a bit uh, when we were talking about uh, ASU GSV, mm. uh, that ed tech conference, gamification was a big theme. Uh, you know, we've talked about learnification, uh, you know. Stealth learning. Stealth. We talked about that. That's right. Sneak up on you and, yeah. you know, that's one to grow on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um I, I was struck by the um, the number of slides, even though it's uh, 350 some slides in the Mika report, good 30, 40 of them were about uh, games and learning. And she made a specific connection between gaming and how uh, folks are already learning through games. And um, something we've talked about on the show on several occasions, but I thought it was interesting that um, one of the leading in internet trend spotters uh, thought it was a good time to talk about at length uh, how games and learning are are sort of deeply interconnected. Um, and um, I think that's interesting on a number of levels because gamification and game-based learning has been around at least 20 years. Like I, I remember talking about this kind of stuff in the early 2000s. So it is interesting also to see trends that maybe went uh, dormant a bit to reemerge a trough uh, of disillusionment perhaps yeah, the trough of disillusionment but um i think there's a lot of different angles that she explores in here too and it does remind me i think i talked to you guys about the book uh, wonderland that i was reading a while back which basically talks about how a lot of innovation is driven by what we want and not what we need um and i know they also mentioned nvidia which was um really one of the stars of the computer electronics show, uh, which is, you know, they've developed really powerful processing technology in support of gaming. Um, so I think there's a lot of different directions we could go. Um, but I do think 
more and more humans are going to spend a lot more time on experience and leisure and these types of things. And we're going to have to continue to figure out how to build those things. And then the Mika report talks in a number of different ways about um, sort of the applications and the intersections between um, games and uh, learning and education. Yeah. I think a couple of things on, on that. Um, the so zone of proximal development is something we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that, that is um, how, how games are constructed. Yes. Right. Like for, for you to stay engaged in a game, you actually have to be kept in your zone of proximal development. If it's too hard, you'll bail. If it's too easy, you'll bail. Right. Uh, and so, you know, games from really the earliest days of games, the ones that were better, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of different reasons why things can be better. It can be better mm-hmm. writing, it can be better graphics, it can be better you know, just gameplay, but something especially where there is some concept of, you know, leveling, mm-hmm. which many games, not just sort of the role-playing games, but many games have. Yeah. Um, there is this, uh, this, desi- this design goal for the game maker to keep you in that zone of proximal development. And yeah. I think that that same application uh, obviously applies to, to learning as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Vygotsky, right? You got to come at me again. Vygotsky is the guy who came up with the zone of proximal development. So, like, I thought I, I'm still a big fan, uh, you know, whack yourself before you wreck yourself and uh, tip of the Zuckerberg. But I find Vygotsky, the guy who came up with the, the, the zone of proximal development, it's tough to get a, a cool, like, hook with Vygotsky. Like, there's not a lot to work with there. But, uh, but I'm pretty, pretty sure Vygotsky is the is the thinker who talked first about the zone of proximal development. So for those of you who want to seem intelligent, uh, say Vygotsky. When somebody says zone of proximal development, say, hmm, Vygotsky. And they'll either be like, ah, oh, that person kind of knows stuff. Or they'll be like, Brandon's looking at me right now and be like, what'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's great, Mike. Uh, <laughs> you are you are a scholar and a gentleman, and you're uh, teaching our audience to sound fishy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so that, I thought that was one. Uh, Zygotsky. The, no, no, no. Vy, Rygotsky. Vy, Vygotsky. And the other concept tied to the zone of proximal development is scaffolding. True. Right. Yes. And uh, scaffolding, a nice metaphor, but also a thinking process where, Truth. like, how do you connect somebody? from one area to the next through this zone of proximal uh, (laughs) development, uh, how do you make sure that they can sort of scaffold through? So you need to tie to associations that they know and then give them just enough challenge to get to the next level. Uh, It is really interesting to look at a few different uh, examples that she showcases. She did talk about Minecraft and uh, Minecraft is is sort of a huge move in terms of like a learning platform uh, it's something that really, um, you know, Gen Z, I think, got on board ahead of the the generations uh, ahead of Gen Z. And um, I think what we're starting to find is that the larger world is starting to learn from stuff that maybe starts in like a K-8 uh, space. And uh, and then even if we want to try to educate K-8, through understanding the types of things, whether it's Minecraft or uh, other sort of emerging games, um, which ties also to this concept of screen time where when you're saying games are a great way to learn, you're implicit in that is the idea that you will learn 
through your screen time and your screen time spent with games. So um, what about you guys? You guys, uh, you guys familiar with the Minecrafts? Have you? I, uh, I have friends, kids who play it. I do not personally play it. Um, I just did see someone created the entire Harry Potter world in Minecraft. So I saw a video of that, which seemed very time consuming and uh, impressive. Uh, I have not uh, gotten the, the seven-year-old into it yet, but she has discussed wanting to play it. I have not uh, quite yet. Um, I did uh, just want to make sure I did confirm uh, zone of proximal uh, development. Not that anyone thought it wasn't our good friend Lev Vygotsky, Lev. but uh, Lev. a Soviet-era psychologist. So on the fly, just you know, confirming statements. <laughs> but so uh, I mean, another thing I saw in here, which I was happy to see, was Striver Labs. Have you guys heard of Striver Labs? Yep. Striver Labs is pretty cool because like we're trying to figure out. Um, how virtual reality and augmented reality can impact learning. And uh, many of us are sports fans. Uh, Striver Labs is really the, the VR goggles that they use for uh, quarterbacks, really, to understand how to keep their head on a swivel, walk up to the line, say, Omaha, Omaha, look to the left, look to the right, and actually call, call the play, call the defense. Uh, I mean, we've talked about Striver on this pod before, I, I, actually. I know. That's S-T-R-I-V-R. R, because right? it's cool. Yes. Yeah. And it's yeah. trendy. Yes. Uh, started by a Stanford uh, a Stanford alum. Mm -hmm. uh, who I think played football at Stanford. Mm -hmm. um, and was like, man, we should be able to give people reps. Yes. Without them having to get hit. Correct. Uh, let's make this. Let's make this. I wish this reality were a little more virtual. Virtual. Let's, yeah. let's make it. Let's make a simulation. Let's, yeah, I let's... think simulate. I think sims and virtual reality for sports, for healthcare. Yes. Um, you know, I think we talked about before about uh, cadavers, for example, are very yes. expensive. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you recoup quickly uh, the cost of even a pretty expensive VR setup. Right. Uh, in a world where you're not having to do um, you know practice on on real humans. For example. Yeah, they in the same section they showed uh, Peloton, uh, which we're very interested in. You know, we do a lot of live, uh, live online, live streaming classes at Kaplan, and Peloton is a way to kind of get Soul Cycle in your home. Uh, so it's a it's a really state of the art uh, stationary bike for your home that's tied to the internet. You can do simulations. You can also access a bunch of. Uh, super fit instructors. Uh, I don't know if you guys pick up on this just listening, but we're all extremely fit, the three of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, uh, like we really could be Peloton instructors. Uh, but Who uh, says I'm not? Yes. Yeah, in fact, Dan is uh, Dan is stationary biking right now. He's kind That's of good. like, he's like Dennis Rodman. Tom he's, powering the computer. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what else? What else, uh, what else uh, strikes your guys? A uh, couple of Dan? things in the gaming specifically is sort of the tie between what gaming did that is now part of mainstream media, the slide about Madden football from, you know, 95 or 2005 to now being how we watch football. And th there's a obvious correlation there between people who play the game and people who watch the game wanting to have similar experiences. Uh, and what feeds what, you know, is it art imitating reality or reality imitating art? I think there's uh, some of both there. Um, and it's the whole slide about in the time of dis or seeming disengagement, gaming platforms are seeing rise in engagement so it's not that necessarily people are becoming disengaged with everything they're just disengaging from typical media or mainstream media or things that we used to chart them on and now are engaging uh, elsewhere in a way that i think is is you have to adjust to and i i think some of these companies are finally starting to figure it out and figure how to get to them um i think the one thing i'm trying to take from it and figure out is 
passive learning via games and active learning via games like mm-hmm. where's that difference of um a game like it had minesweeper on there which i'd completely forgotten about that old windows 95 game that you click on uh, yeah. and have to go to different numbers before you hit a, a mine uh to a, a more recent game to another game beyond that um what is active learning what is passive learning and how do these game builders consider it you know the slides specifically don't seem to talk about that but an interesting topic maybe for us do you think the best games are passive learning and they just happen to have some things that spill off or some of these games finally figuring out that they can do both and are trying to increase their spend and how much people buy them by answering both teaching a little bit while also being as engaging as possible yeah, I think the active part is really interesting because, like, I think gaming by their nature, uh, games by their nature, give the player agency, uh, and I think that's one of the problems that we have with bad learning environments is frequently they take the agency away, and it becomes a passive lean back and learn. Um, I really the one I I know we're tight on time, but the one I really like is uh, the fact that his name is phenomenal too. That uh, Zlatan. Ibrahimovic, uh, who I believe plays for Arsenal or some, I don't know, he's got a red shirt. I'm not a big uh, UK football guy, but the fact that he plays hours and hours of FIFA online so that he can play soccer better. And like, it makes perfect sense, but it's also kind of amazing that, that it's happening. And like, that's one that, you know, reminds me of Tesla. You know, there's this apocryphal story of Tesla in the, in the hot tub, not, uh, not Tesla. <laughs> Dangerous. Elon, Elon Musk. Yeah, exactly. Or electric. You don't want you don't want to park your Tesla in the hot tub. That's no. a problem. But Elon Musk is in the hot tub with his brother, and they're they're just sort of like brain. They're they're just talking about hypotheticals, and Musk starts musing about how we must all be in a simulation. And I think he even said this at the last at last year. He did. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like the likelihood we are in a simulation exponentially grows each day, or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the theme that's really interesting where, you know, simulations are going to become more and more part of our experience and then we're going to get better at simulations and then ultimately that should make us better at life. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting for us as uh, educators and instructional designers and folks who are trying to figure out learning environments, like what's the right mix and what's the right blend? Um, And then it's also that idea of stealth learning that Brandon was talking about where, What's great about great game-based learning is that folks learn and they don't realize that it was going to be learning. They actually think we're just having fun. And then afterwards you ask them, you know, did you learn something? And they're like, Hey, you know what? Turns out I did, you know, which is good. I think it's the, the number of someone's is just interesting here too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about this, but put a number against it from the report um, estimated a hundred million gamers mm-hmm. in 1995 and 2.3 billion gamers in today. Wow. So that's, um, you know, I think that as we think about the application of gaming, either design, what we talked about with uh, Sly, Sly Gotsky, what's his name? Vygot, Lev Vygotsky. Give him some love, man. Yeah, I'm just bringing the levity here. Uh, give him some love. Um, <laughs> yeah, as, as we talked about, uh, about whether it's in game design or um, actual games that are intended expressly for uh, educational purposes. The fact that it is now so much more universal and there's going to be so much more money mm-hmm. uh, as a result that goes into it. Um, I, I think that that 
should change our expectations about the expectations for games in an educational setting, yep. right? If, if, um, if a hump you have to get over, if you're building an educational game is that it's um, othering to be gaming, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it's only a hundred million of what in 1995, five and a half billion right. people. Right. Nerd. Right. Yeah. Hashtag nerd alert. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's and and probably even more predominantly uh, male. Correct. Um, you know, it's, it shared some some uh, stats on some games, some very popular games for uh, iOS and Android are uh, approaching seventy percent female. Right. Actually. Right. Um, uh, but you know, in 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 a in a world in which the the population was small and um, maybe pretty homogeneous, mm-hmm. uh, that that is a harder. Uh, hurdle that is another hurdle to get over than uh, than than starting with everybody basically is playing some sort of game or another. Yeah, and the average age is thirty five, which I thought was interesting. Uh, even some of the the aging demographics. Uh, you know, I was I started you know half jokingly musing about you know AARP in twenty years. You know, where you have folks who grew up their whole lives playing games and now they're in a retirement. Like, you know, you can you can knock out some some serious gaming when you're retired you know what i mean like <laughs> you can absolutely you know, like i hadn't really thought about that but like it is it's sort of like blowing up some of the the myths you know yeah. like the idea of like the you know the teenager in the basement with with his hoodie as like the only uh gaming persona that's out it's there be a bunch of olds in their basements <laughs> in their teenagers basements yes well ooh, full, yeah. full circle yeah I like that. yeah hakuna matata that's good. right there you yeah. go yeah the um the other thing that was interesting from I'm pulling in from somewhere else here now, but that yeah. um I think we talked about this in a past pod, but at, at uh, GSV one of the keynotes was or it was like sort of like a series of short form presentations during a plenary session. Uh, I'm gonna forget the outfit. I can uh, we'll, we'll link to it in the glossary um, though. Dan uh, had uh, is about to get um, FDA approval. FDA approval. About to get approval uh, from for a game that is uh, intended to help cure or address ADHD. Mm. So it is a um, non-pharmaceutical solution mm-hmm. that is intended to disrupt what is a pretty um, pretty big uh, uh, pill business, essentially. Right. right? You know, right. It, again, this is we're we're talking about healthcare and uh, don't intend to be glib, but the idea that you could have solutions to health um, uh, problems I, I got there from the aging yeah, uh, population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There may be some, um, you know, uh, things like even dementia or other, um, uh, you know, other, other brain related, uh, issues where, uh, gaming can actually help solve that from a, from a biochemical and physiological brain, um, shape, et cetera, perspective mm-hmm. that, uh, in, in a world in which something is about to get approved, you know, a seal of approval to say, you can either have Ritalin or this driving game. Yeah. Right. Like that, that opens a whole new um, application of yeah. this space to education and, and healthcare. Uh, a great, great point. And uh, something uh, we will link because it sounds like a very uh, interesting topic that we can talk about uh, in the glossary and elsewhere uh, within trending and ed. I, it did uh, also talk in the meek report about wearables, which I know we've discussed here on the podcast before talking about healthcare, a little bit of transition, but the, the big jump uh, from 2016 to 2017 uh, up to about 25% of Americans owning one up 12% from 2016 uh, quoting here from recode uh, their takeaways. But 
this is all data again, you know, what data, you know, we can get out of it. And to Brandon's point of how technology and even the, the gamification of wearables is happening where I can sync up with, you know, my wife and her family and my family and friends, and we can track our steps and compete against one another and do all of those things um, is sort of bringing all that together to be a next step in technology as well, where uh, it's healthcare, but it's also focusing on the competition, our competitive spirits uh, in trying to get better healthcare. Mike, any anything else for you uh, from this meager report that you, you have uh, a keen eye on to share or dive into further, maybe on a subsequent episode of Trending in Education? Uh, yeah, the, the esports e gaming movement, I think is fascinating and the number of eyeballs and, uh, young minds that are being consumed by not playing games, but watching other people play yep. games and building the community around that. Um, I think it's really interesting also for learning, uh, where like if the game itself becomes an interesting simulation, maybe you're learning something, learning how to be a doctor or learning some basic, um, concepts uh, around physics or trajectories or things like that like especially just watching experts be great at something uh, is something that we i think as a culture are starting to do more and more and it's interesting that the application's been primarily uh games but i think that platform is an interesting one twitch is in particular is is interesting where like it, it emerged as an e-gaming platform but it's becoming more of just uh live streaming media platform, um, you know, where you could learn how to cook or you could watch somebody cook recipes or you could watch reruns of Bob Ross uh, painting happy little clouds. And uh, it's interesting that it's, you know, it's around gaming and it emerged in that space. But I think one of the things we try to do here is just think about could that could there be some kind of crossover into a more mature like learning implementation? Right. I think more and more the answer is probably going to be yes. But I was I was really happy that that surfaced here because i think we could we could go deeper on e-gaming and and like uh you know how how it might apply like that sort of model is not too far from some of the stuff we do uh even here at kaplan absolutely i recently saw some colleges are starting to extend uh gaming scholarships Yes. So that there are colleges out there that are, are offering uh, e-gamers scholarships to come and play on the collegiate level. And whether or not it becomes a, you know, a varsity sport may, may be a question. Uh, as a fantasy sports fan and somebody who plays daily fantasy sports, eSports has been a part yeah. of daily fantasy. So you're building a team of eSports players who are then playing another game, uh, yeah. which is... A little meta but you are you know not only watching them play a game but you're building your own team to see who's going to perform the best at that e-sport e they're playing and then uh, move on from there so a very interesting topic one we can dive into a bit more uh, in a future yeah. episode and you know and interestingly on that point i i think i i did draft you today Dan. i had you starting yeah and, I, did, uh, I did not perform I'm a little concerned yeah my numbers are not going to live up. My, a joke. My... These are jokes. We have fun. Uh, Brandon, anything else stand out to you before we close out the podcast here on the Meek Report? 355 slides. Obviously, a lot we did not talk about. Lots we can talk about on subsequent episodes. But anything stand out to you that maybe we tee up for a future episode of Trending in Education? Or if not, we can always close yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say uh, for folks who are interested, if, if you're uh, flipping through the slides and you see something that you uh, would want to hear us go deep on, I, this is, um, as, as you're saying, could be material for um probably not 355 pods worth but uh probably you know three four five sure. um and uh i would be happy to uh to spend a little more time on, on any of the sections a lot of interesting stuff yeah um and uh, i i would encourage listeners to go check it out 
And that's going to put a wrap on this edition of Trending in Education. Talked about the Meeker Report throughout. Anything you want to dive into, 355 slides. We'll have the link up on our Twitter account. Also uh, on Facebook, we'll share it there. And, of course, at trendinged.com. All you want to know about the Meeker Report, every single slide is available to you there. You can dive in. And as uh, Brendan said earlier, if there's anything that you want to dive into more with us, let us know. And we'll uh, make sure to take a look at it, talk about it here on the podcast. As always, reach out with any topics that you have. Have and you want us to discuss. And until next time, thanks so much for listening to Trending in Education. 